0: Toleration, be the love. Before pride and exaltation, be the love. Be the love. You are listening to Be the Love, transcending through the shadows into a higher state of consciousness. We are souls on the journey, opening up the conversation to heal awaken, and connect ourselves and the planet to a higher vibration of love frequency. It starts with you. Everything you need is within you. This is your time. I am Stacy Musial.
1: And I am Sam Fernandez. And we are your co-hosts at Be The Love Podcast. Thank you for tuning in and ascending with us. Hop on board the Ascension Podcast.
0: I'm Lara from Light Post by Lara. I'm the Tigers of the Light. This is Brad Panopoulos. Hi guys, this is Nina Sauer. This is Dig with Sacred Fire Arts.
1: Namaste, my name is Ischola Joy Davey and you're listening to Be The
0: Love Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Be The Love, transcending through the shadows. I am Stacy Musial, your host and a soul on the journey. And thank you so much for tuning in this week. And if you've enjoyed listening to our show, we would be so grateful for a five-star written review on iTunes. Reviews really help our show become more visible and spread the word to others. And if it feels safe for you, I'd like to begin by taking a moment just to get centered with us. I'd like to begin by inviting you to take a beautiful cleansing breath in through your nose and out through your mouth releasing anything that is keeping you from being present, and take another deep breath in through your nose, breathing in calm, peaceful, loving energy, and breathing out anything you are ready to release right now in this moment. Take one more breath in through your nose, breathing in light and love for yourself, and breathing out the light and love and sending it to all of humanity, remembering that you always, always have your breath to come back to. Today, we have Haley Harkin. Haley was born and raised in Austin, Texas, and is currently residing in Colorado. She creates folk medicine music for connection and healing. Her lyrics express her love for nature, humanity, and her desire to make change. With her sultry sounds and sweet words, she will surely touch her heart. She has been playing music for five years at retreats, festivals, and other mindful gatherings. She helps facilitate healings while bringing forth love and connection. Her music has been described as feeling like bare feet on grass. So thank you so much for being here with us today, Haley.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. So, tell us a little bit about what got you started down your musical path.
1: Yeah, so I've been involved in music since a child. Uh, My mom and my grandfather both played guitar and sang, like, uh, traditional folk songs. And so I was exposed to it from a really young age and always wanted to be a singer. I was in choir kind of throughout my life, on and off. And then I learned to play guitar in high school and um kind of played for a few years but then put it down and then really until I was I would say about 20 um I really started to pick back up again I was taking lessons and learning more about the theory and really kind of started pursuing it a little bit more seriously
0: so thank you for sharing that and and tell us a little bit more about how music has helped you on your own healing journey
1: Yeah, it's definitely changed my being, my life, like everything about it. Um, When I first started, I had a fear my whole life and about sharing music. Even when I would sing in choir, my voice would be really shaky. I would never get the part either. And so I had a lot of, I think just insecurity and other life things that kind of added on to that on um, being seen and sharing and feeling confident in my sharing. And so then I started to pursue it more like I said when I was 20 and I had never written a song and uh started working with plant medicine and started to like unpack some of that fear. Um it was like debilitating. Like could not even sing, wouldn't do it. No one had to, like no one could be home for me to like play music. And um so when I really started unpacking that like layers of myself just kind of started falling off. And I was able to access creativity that I didn't know was there for me. I didn't know I could write songs or receive songs. And the more I just kind of peeled back those layers, the more that came. And so now kind of like five years or so on this journey of like actually sharing music and writing songs, um, I would say the fear isn't there really. And I've able, been able to unlock more of who I am and my self-expression and feel like free for the first time in expressing myself. Like not mm-hmm. all the time, right? It, it still comes mm-hmm. back a little bit. I would say for the majority, I feel pretty free musically anyway, in mm-hmm. expressing myself. So that alone has just changed my life and learning how to speak my truth like really opening up the throat chakra that was blocked for 20 years of my life. And, um, yeah. And then helping like others too and how that is like reflected back to me from my music. Oh, you know, it's like, we're all one. So anyone else's healing is also my healing. So yeah, it's really just all aspects of my life has changed. And I like music has healed me. Um, just discovering, yeah, how to sing, how to play, how to just let, music kind of flow through and witness. Um it is one of the most beautiful things I've experienced so
0: far. That sounds really beautiful. It sounds like really just a, a journey to find your voice and speak your truth and open up that throat chakra and through song and 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 you mentioned maybe plant medicine being part of that journey. So tell us a little bit more about that. Like what that's been like for you.
1: Yeah. So I found ayahuasca at twenty one and um have been doing it ever since <laughs> and uh so i i wrote my first song after my first ceremony and since then i have probably like 40 songs or something now and uh, i played in front of people at my second retreat which was in brazil at the time and i had never like i said i hadn't written a song i had like a song book cause i knew i was going to brazil so i printed out songs of other peoples that were in there, and, uh, but I really only had like three or four songs at that time, and uh, my teacher asked me to play. And yeah, I still I processed like so much fear for years after that, in ceremony, not in ceremony, and um, yeah, I would that would shake mess up like all the time, and I would, like laugh cause I was messing up. Um, so really, like processing a lot of that in ceremony really helped a lot but then also like doing the work in my real life and showing up to that fear and i was going up open mics things like that and really just doing it anyway i would be on stage and i would be sweating and i would be shaking like i couldn't really talk um so yeah processing a lot of that and yeah just sharing music and ceremony i mean ayahuasca has changed my life not even relating to music but also relating to music and helped me i mean i feel like she showed me all the all these things like this is my path before i was a hairstylist that's i after high school i went to cosmetology school and like i said i always knew i wanted to be a singer but i didn't think it was possible like i couldn't write songs and i couldn't get over the fear of even singing in front of people so like it wasn't gonna happen and then when i was like 19 20 I started to like try and pursue it again. Like just, I was playing my guitar more. And, um, then when I started doing ayahuasca when I was 21, um, I've been working at a high end salon for like two years, apprenticing under the owner. And I was about to get my chair on my own and I was in Brazil. So it was my second retreat. And the day I got back, I got fired from my job and I dreamt while I was there that I got fired. Hmm. And my whole life just kind of crumbled in front of me and I was freaking out for sure. <laughs> like what's happening? You know, I was on salary and like my, the, the path that I thought the illusion I kind of created myself was this was it. And then when I made enough money, I would pursue music, but it was, ne- it would have never worked. I would have been always been too busy in the industry to me. Didn't work for me. I was just becoming more awake and I couldn't handle that type of industry. It just didn't work for me. It like didn't make me feel creative and yeah, just kind of like a toxic environment. So yeah, she really just showed me that, no, this is your path. And I tried to keep doing hair for like six months after that. And yeah, the universe just kept showing me, this isn't what you're supposed to do. So then I started calling myself musician in like 2017. And I stopped, I went back to the restaurant industry And which was really hard because I had said I wasn't going to do that anymore. And so I felt like I was going backwards. And um, but yeah, then I started calling myself a musician. And it felt really weird and uncomfortable at first. And the more I just put myself out there, the more I grew. And yeah, she's also helped me just the amount that I've grown in, in five years is a lot just musically. And from like, if you could have seen like my friends who have sat with me since day one are like,
0: what happened? How,
1: how is that possible? And I definitely think psychedelics play a role in creativity for sure. They're not the cure. You know, you still have to show up and do the work. And I'm very, my personality is very like dedicated. I'm pretty persistent and not that I don't like take breaks. And sometimes I don't play music for a couple weeks or whatever. And like allowing for that, that's okay. Um, but I showed up in my life and I'm like, this is what I want. It's become clear now. And this is my life's purpose is to help the earth heal through music and help others heal and heal myself. It's like that happened first is me healing. And I'm still healing myself, but, um, I'm also helping others heal and they reflect back to me, like what I do for them and like, are a clear mirror for me to really see myself
0: and activate my own potential more. Wow that sounds like a, just a beautiful <laughs> process that you went through. I mean I'm you know it sounds like you were on this path and then there's this shake up this wake up call the universe said no this is the way you're going.
1: <laughs> yeah. And
0: uh, and you but you follow that um you know with the help of Aya and and, and you know on the path and um so that's really beautiful but but I'm also hearing that you listened to that. He said, "Okay, you followed your truth."
1: For sure. I mean, once I experienced the freedom, like after dissipating some of the fear, after like a year, probably of working with the medicine and playing in ceremony, then the, the joy and the nourishment that came with that—it's like once you see, you can't unsee. And it's—you know—I wasn't going to go do hair again. That's for sure. And I'm not going to be in the service industry for the rest of my life. Like this is what I want to do. And and the feedback I got from people in my circle that became my friends over the years. Um, it was just so beautiful to like hear and to really let that in and to be seen like that, like took, took a lot. And there were many times that I would play a song in ceremony and then just break down crying in front of like 40 people mm-hmm. because it was such a, I had to release so much fear and just insecurity. I mean like all of the, those emotions kind of blob together and, um, but like many people have told me that I've helped them like other people started sharing in the circle or p- pursuing like musical interests and that's one of the kind of realizations I've had with working with the medicine and just my own journey and then what other people have shared about my journey has affected them is that we're all like creative beings and I'm not just a musician right i'm like anything I want to be, and I don't put myself in that box. That's what I identify for sure. Most is instrumentation singing, but um, like, yeah, everyone is creative and everything is creative and that's where I like to help other people kind of unlock within themselves. Um, I would do like song circles and things in Austin before I moved and just kind of like vocal exercises and just playful silliness. And that's what the medicine has shown me. And also my teacher Millie, Um, that I apprentice under with music has helped me a lot. Just I do a lot of improv and especially in ceremony, like before, after the song, and just free flowing sound and really letting the medicine just sing through me. And um, that like exploring those parts within ourselves and like um, transmuting it into sound Mm -hmm. and it, it could be weird sounds or like ugly, but it's, it's so liberating. And it's just like this, I just it's just like a flow. I can't explain it other than that. And to help other people realize that you don't have to sing good. Um, You know, you don't have to be pitch perfect. It's about where it comes from. And, you know, indigenous people have been doing this for thousands of years, like singing, especially, you know, coming together in a ceremonial circle, praying like that's what I think singing is. It's a prayer. And so, yeah, maybe you're not going to pursue music as like what you want to do to support yourself. But that doesn't mean you can't sing along and that you can't enjoy yourself and find liberation through singing or other acts of creativity. And that the only thing that keeps us from accessing like unlimited creativity is fear Mm -hmm. and like shame, you know, fear of being seen. And then shame we've kind of picked up from people um, on either like taking up too much space, which I had to go through a, a lot of is taking up like too much space and which I, I don't, like in my rational mind, I know that I don't, but it's like a really deep-seated belief of that I'm too much. And so I had to find this balance in music of like really just following my intuition. And medicine has showed me that a lot because I'm on the medicine now anyway. I don't have those thoughts, but in the beginning for the first couple of years, it was really there. Like, when are they going to ask me to play? Like, what am I going to play? And And then after the years, it was just I don't care when I ask you when to play and I know I'm going to know what to play. It's not yeah. a pre meditated experience. It's feeling into the moment and I know what song to play and that's just it. It's just mm-hmm. kind of beyond words and thinking. It's just trusting yeah. the, the subtle little energy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful. It sounds like really tapping into source and, you know, just letting it flow through you and what needs to be said or done in the moment. And, I love what you said, too, about, you know, it's not about being like having a beautiful voice or, you know, when we're like trying to get the sound out, um, you know, it can come out in any way, like as we're trying to make sound or sing, you know, it's about the vibration. I think it's about the release of those emotions that can be stored in there, because when we move that energy through song or breath or, you know, something along those lines, that can be really a powerful healing it sounds like you were noticing that in in ceremony with others um and then maybe even like supporting others on their journey
1: yeah one thing my teacher millie told me that i'll never forget and has just stuck with me is that it's not a performance it's a sharing
0: Mm.
1: and because people would kind of be like oh i want to sing a song or or something like that and it was kind of coming from this like ego place Mm-hmm. And not bad, that I think people just want to be a part of something. Sure. But they put creatives, which we all are, but we create a separation, right? That I'm a musician and you idolize me or whatever. Or, you yeah. know, we do it to other people too, right? That mm-hmm. We all do it. Um, and so they want that. But it's not when you're coming from that place, that's not the place that's going to touch people. Mm-hmm. You're not going to shift energy in mm-hmm. the whole room coming from that place, you're going to come from it when it's actually coming from your heart. And Mm -hmm. also she would talk about like, yeah, if I like sing a song and I'm really going for it, like all the way within myself, that's when the whole room is going to switch versus Mm -hmm. if I'm holding back energetically. And like I said, it's hard to explain. It's just an energy, but I feel the difference when it happens. And um, yeah, it's, really giving yourself fully. It's a surrender of sorts, which is hard. And it's easier because the medicine teaches you, you know, you can resist, but at the end of the day, you usually have to surrender. Mm
0: -hmm. And,
1: uh, but it's the same kind of thing. It's almost surrendering, surrendering to the music, which is spirit, which is the medicine, but it's the music teaches you. Like if you're really in flow, it's actually guiding you. Um, But you have to let go enough to get to that point where you're like watching it happen Mm -hmm. instead of trying to control what's happening. Just like, it's like anything, like just how we're like, Oh, we'll see where the conversation takes us. Sure. To me, it's kind of the same thing. It's, it goes, everything goes where it wants to go and we can either try and, you know, force it into something or make it something, or we can just follow where the energy is going
0: yeah I love that you know and and like what you were saying too about this uh, the hierarchy, right? so when we're in a position of you know i I, I don't want to say power, but when there is a position of like there's you know we've we've been taught especially in our the western culture that you know we look up to musicians or actress actors, um you know, people of power, right and so we give them we give our power away, but if we can come into this like place of we're all on it. We're all on an even playing field. We just are all offering our gifts in this in a beautiful way, no matter where that comes from. Um, you know, I, one of my taglines on on this show is, you know, I'm, I'm just a soul on the journey. You know, I'm, I'm holding space to bring, you know, truth to the world, but it's not about, you know, it's not about my ego. I'm not, you know, it's not, I'm not in a position of power. I'm, I'm just like, you know, I don't have it all figured out either. I'm still doing the work and doing the healing journey. And so I think that's beautiful. Um, and then I was also, you know, that flow of energy you were talking about, like, you know, when people are together and creating that flow of energy, um, there is that sense of oneness, right? When you can come together and recognize it, we're all really one creating base and, uh, healing. And, and, you know, there's no separation between anybody on the journey.
1: Yeah. And I think like one of my biggest lessons working with ayahuasca is that those people that we idolize and just in culture, it's because it's already within ourselves. But the one of the hardest parts is acknowledging that Mm. like sometimes we're just not ready to let yeah. our own potential in mm. and that's okay. And mm-hmm. I went through that for many years and I'm still going through it, but I've chipped many layers and like realizing that I am deserving, but there's always more to uncover. But those people that we're, we're drawn to, or maybe are even jealous of, and it's super easy to see on while using a psychedelic, but like, yeah, their freedom and sharing that's already you know we want that but it is already us we just haven't mm-hmm. activated it ourselves or taken the mm-hmm. leap like they have so they're just being a mirror which is beautiful once we can realize that mm-hmm. so like oh the only reason we can see it is because it's already within ourselves otherwise we couldn't see it we'd be blind to it um mm-hmm. but sometimes it's just hard to let our own deservingness mm-hmm. and dissolve the illusion of the platform that we put people on
0: mm-hmm. that's that's really Beautiful. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think because we can see someone as the mirror in this, you know, activating our triggers, right? So like the, maybe the fear, anxieties, or anger, whatever is coming up within us, it's never about what's happening outside of us, right? We have to go within to heal that, but that person is a reflection. And it can also be that reflection of, yeah, that, that idolization or someone out there, that something that we want, but it is, it's already within us because we are so sovereign. You know, we just have to tap into that energy.
1: Yeah. And sometimes it's hard to see because it's a shadow. So it's Mm -hmm. hidden. So it's like, if you don't have the tools and like I trust that it's going to be revealed when it's supposed to be revealed. And if Mm -hmm. I can't see it yet, like I can't, you can't rush the awakening on our, 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 like, level of awareness, and some of my biggest triggers in ceremony over time have become, like, my closest friends, mm. and not all of them, but the trigger has definitely lessened the more I understand myself, and just how the brain works, how a lot of things work, and now I can see, oh, because I was jealous, right, and mm. really just trying to tune in more to what is that that I'm actually feeling, mm. um, yeah.
0: Um, uh-huh. That's really beautiful. So can you tell us a little bit more about um, taking, you know, the lessons from ceremony and bringing it into your life? Like, what has that process been like and how have you really tuned into that to um, to bring that forward?
1: Yeah, my teacher would always say that's the hardest part is, you know, integration. and It really is because you're kind of in this bubble and then the bubble goes away and then you're back in like He would say your real fake life. (laughs) And and if you don't have a community or a container, then it's almost impossible. You know, people who go to Peru and then they come back and they never see those people again. Like the longevity is different versus if you have a community that's like really in your area and you get to see those people all the time. Um, That makes a big, big difference because when you see someone who you've done the medicine with, or maybe even someone who's just done the medicine you haven't done together. I've experienced that as well. Where you just are there. You just reignite that light. You know, it takes like two people to really get it back if you feel like you've lost it. Hmm. And um, so that has helped a lot. And ayahuasca changed my external life before I really started to do deeper work. And like me getting fired from my job. Like my whole outside world had to change before I could access these deeper layers. Like I was healing and for sure, but there were other layers of consciousness that I hadn't experienced of hers yet until like three or four years in Mm. because my outside reality had to severely change. So that I was ready to experience these other things because without that support and my life looking different and like having space being more creative, being more in alignment in all aspects of my life. I don't think she's going to show you those other things because you wouldn't handle it. Like I truly think she knows what's best for us and all the timing and everything. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was, like I said, she definitely helped create, you know, um, changing my outside reality into more alignment slowly over time. And um, then it was just, I feel like ceremony is my life. Like all of my closest friends, we've been drinking medicine together for five years. And, you know, it's just we're meeting at a soul level when we're conversating. It's not like the small talk. It's how are you? Oh, I'm not good. Okay, great. Let's talk about it. You know, Um, yeah, community, community, community has been number one for me. Having community events, music, not even my own music, like my own music, but other people's music. I feel I can go through many processes in the car, just listening to ceremony music. And that, that happened like the first three years when I was working through a lot of resistance to the medicine, it would kind of hit me out of nowhere. I'd be going through a process because the music can move energy differently than words Mm -hmm. and can kind of unlock things for you and kind of help assist quicker to unravel things that you're kind of clenching. And yeah. um, ritual you know, which it's taken me a while of, like, I started meditating a few years ago and I've meditated pretty consistently ever since then. But I would say I w- it wasn't regular until a few years in of working with the medicine. And that was another thing my teacher said that like meditation is the way. Without meditation, you're only going to get so far with the medicine. Like you have to find that space within yourself. And that's like the point As she's teaching us this, this feeling that is always there, but meditation is like the one thing that really gets you to the same place with consistent routine practice. You know, just what it does the brain waves and yeah, just finding that own space within yourself. And I've experienced medicine type experiences, not on ceremony through meditation. So they're the it's like you can get they've done studies, you can get to the same place. You know it might take 20 years of meditation, <laughs> and so the plant allies are great you know kind of get you there quicker um, but at the end of the day, it's not relying on the medicine and that it's already within you and the more receptive we become, the more you do the medicine, the more you remember that feeling that you feel, which is I think it's just presence and mm-hmm. love right, right. Yes, I think creating ritual is a a great practice to have, checking in every day, whatever that is for you. It doesn't have to be anything rigid. I don't like rigidity personally. I find that can can lead to controlling ways of being for me personally. So I like to go in the flow every day. I do meditate, but I'm not like it needs to be this long or I need to sit down or in journaling. Yeah, just reflection. But I think number one is community and just having Mm -hmm. those people that can reflect that to you. And that can really understand what you went through, what you're still going through, what you're always will be unpacking. And you just being able to have real conversations. I feel really fortunate that I have found that because I know a lot of people don't have that. Mm -hmm. And you can't just like look for it online either. It just has to be like the serendipitous meeting of sorts.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So one thing you said there was the, the whole idea of like, not being rigid in your routine and your ritual and just letting it be in the flow. And I think that's really a really beautiful point because like we tend to get into these routines and feel like if we don't do something, you know, then there's this perpetuating cycle of shame and guilt and, you know, and then we get caught up in that, that stuck energy and and then it's not free anymore. It's not fun anymore. And so I really like that. Um, that you said that, because I think that's so important for people to hear too, you know, our listeners and, and recognizing that they can make it their own and what it feels good for them and and tapping into that flow. And so I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that. Like, how do you stay present in that flow without, um, going into the rigidity of your, the ritual,
1: Yeah, I would say one realization I had like a month ago was um, hard beliefs create hard edges. Mm. And so to me, it kind of goes with that rigidity. Um, You know, the universe flows. It's it's not rigid. And really tuning in, like when I first started doing meditation, I was like, okay, great. And then I did Joe Dispenza and I kind of, that helped me drop in a little bit deeper. So then I looked forward to the meditation. Like I wanted to be in contact with the divine. It's like, I wanted to experience that. I longed for that. So then that really started to change things for me when I looked forward, if I can remember, right? Cause we're so forgetful <laughs> human mind and that mind, that rigidity is the mind. It's like, it's not real that we have to do something and, Oh, we have to get somewhere. Cause it's all right now it's never somewhere else. And that's just mind, ego, tricking you back into its ways again and yeah just finding something that really you're looking forward to and that might take time to find that for yourself um because it didn't happen at first I had to do it enough to where I could find it's the same thing with music when you first start learning an instrument it's super uncomfortable you hate it right because you keep messing up all the time you don't know anything it's so easy to tell ourselves those narratives that most people don't ever get past that point because they can't get to the point where they feel the, the joy and the freedom from it. But if you just keep at it for long enough, and I feel like that with most things that then you'll see the benefits of it. So I started microdosing probably like a year and a half ago. That's something that really helped me. Um, psilocybin at that time. And uh, I would do a morning ritual where I would take psilocybin, microdose, and then meditate, journal. And I did that for about two to three months and most people say do it that long um to see the benefits but i once again didn't want to be rigid so i did for probably a month and a half i did a schedule and then after that i just listened intuitively because i think that's really important and one thing that ayahuasca shows is is that when you're just in flow it's like i said beyond words it just is you just know when you're in in that flow Mm
0: -hmm. and that's
1: what microdosing can help with is getting you into a flow state which is our more receptive or most creative when we get out of our head. So it's like finding whatever gets you out of your head. Like it could be dancing, getting in your body um, long enough to break past the mind, which it doesn't just happen. You know, it's a showing up, continuing, but not in a rigid way, in a fun, playful way. And yeah, now I microdose intuitively, like I am microdosing right now. And, but once again, it's not a strict regimen. It is somewhat consistent, but I'm not like in my calendar, you need microdose today. It's mm-hmm. like, it's very clear for me. It's if it's a yes or a no. Like when I wake up, I might have planned to microdose tomorrow. But if I wake up and it's a no, I just know
0: that it's a no. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So, so, yeah, tell us a little bit more about that. Like um, microdosing has been, you know, a a much talked about thing right now. I think um, it's pretty, you know, there's a lot of research about how it can really help change the brain and and shift things on a higher consciousness. And so um, what have you noticed? You know, you mentioned like being in the flow. And so um, when you're on the medicine, but are you what are you noticing when you're not on it? How, How has that shifted things for you?
1: Yes. I will say disclaimer. When I first started doing ayahuasca, I was never interested in microdosing. Like people in the circle were talking about, and I was like, that's abusing. Like what? I don't get that. Like you're trying to get high every day. That's my mind told me, right? And then I educated myself more. And it wasn't until like a year ago. So five years of working with the medicine that I actually was interested in microdosing. And it just came into my awareness. And I was like, "Hmm, maybe I should follow that thread. So then I did a webinar that really told educated me in a way that I had not seen before online. And maybe I just didn't take enough time to see the why. But talking about how it helps them, I mean, scientifically proven, like like you said, I've been doing many, many studies and it's real. That It helps the two hemispheres communicate. It stimulates new neuron growth. There's saying it can be a cure maybe for Alzheimer's because that's when um, neurons start dying, you know, deteriorating. And so microdosing is always creating new, And so, to me, what that means is creativity. You know, we're growing, creating new neural pathways of thinking and thinking outside the box. So, I and also the other thing the webinar taught was that when you stop, it doesn't go away. It's a permanent change, and that's what I really liked. Is it's not this once again that you need to rely on it forever. It's it's a permanent change in the brain. If they do brain scans before and after, it's not it's it's there. So they compared it to taking a full journey and extending it over three months. So for someone who might have trouble with integration or maybe their life doesn't look, isn't supporting that right now externally, that microdosing might be a good way. It does the same thing just over a very slow period of time. It fills in those old patterns in your brain and slowly gets rid of those old ways of being while creating new neural pathways. So, I noticed, yeah, more flow, more creativity, more openness, and um, a deeper relationship with psilocybin. I didn't experience psilocybin until after ayahuasca. Ayahuasca was my first psychedelic, actually. And at that time, five years ago, doing a journey, I mean, I was gone. I don't remember anything. Like, I wasn't really with it. And so now, five years later, microdosing, since I've done a journey, and has helped my resistance to the fungi or the plant because I think you put it in your body. So your body is familiar. That's one of the hardest things with ayahuasca is the body wants to reject what's happening. This other force is coming into your body. And it's like, no, your body's like, I'm more powerful. And you're not like you can be, but eventually you have to surrender. So when you put a substance in your body all frequently, your body's going to recognize it and going to be like, Oh, I don't need to be afraid of this. Let's work with it. And so when I I microdose, I just feel a tiny little presence, a little extra helper. Doesn't affect my consciousness at all. No, nope, you know, not visuals. It's just a sub perceptual experience. And so it just helps me be a little bit more mindful. And I still fall off and go into old patterns for sure. But they're just something that can help me and has helped deepen my relationship to plants, fungi with having them in my bloodstream more frequently. So the create the creative part is I'm learning actually with Laura Dawn right now. I'm doing her mastermind program uh, for three months. It's all about microdosing. And she really teaches flow state and how to get into flow state and how to leverage microdosing with flow state. So what I wasn't doing a year ago, I'm doing now, which is creating ritual and routine and doing things that I know put me in a flow state. So that can be music. Maybe I have to play for an hour to get into the flow state, but it is a vehicle and meditation can be dancing can be. So it's taking the microdose and treating as the ceremony and yeah, really talking to the plant or the fungi and asking for help because it is there, but so I'm just being way more intentional about it. And like trying to get more out of it versus just taking it. And there's no wrong either way and going about my day. I'm sitting down with it. I'm trying to be present and then I'm trying to get into a flow state. So whatever that means, you know, people have to kind of figure that out for themselves. But for most people it's dancing. It's like music. They love, you know, you could free write for 30 minutes. You could uh, exercise, you know, you could play music and then you'll start to notice that your creative outlet is
0: broadening. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, Oh, I'm just curious, like, are you is microdosing? Is that something that you're doing like daily? I know you said intuitively, but um, like, is do you have the same effects if you do it daily or if you do, or is it like more scat like staggered every other day? Um, what's helpful?
1: Yeah, what's recommended is three to five days on mm-hmm. and like two to three off. So I try if I'm going to start a microdosing protocol mm-hmm. again. Because then you you take months off at a time. You'll just kind of know when it's time to integrate and you're done for a while. And then when it calls you back again, then follow that call. Mm -hmm. So when I do do it, I try and do it a few days in a row. Mm -hmm. But once again, if if I'm a no, I'm a no. And I'm not stuck on this that I need to do it because I do think there are benefits of doing it three days in a row. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Kids building up, it'd be the same thing with doing ayahuasca. Like the third day, you have way less resistance because it's in your bloodstream. You just Mm -hmm. can't resist anymore. So I feel like it's even, they're even more helpful on the third day of doing consecutive doses Mm -hmm. and then allowing the time for your body and your mind to integrate those new neurons and those new kind of realizations. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed from journaling, then I can go reflect back and see what was happening. Cause some people will be like, I didn't notice a difference. I'm like, are you journaling? Are you, do you have a ritual? And we're usually just not looking at the bigger picture. We're so narrow-focused and minded. So journaling can really help that way when you're done with your protocol for the time being. You go back and read, and you'll probably notice that you were a lot happier. You wrote a lot more songs than you did without microdosing. And yeah, the feeling doesn't go away. The pathways are there now. Mm -hmm. And so now just take the information and go integrate it.
0: Yeah, it's really... Wonderful process because I I found too that it just bypasses that ego so then everything is you know there in front of you that's beyond you know what we could maybe come up with um, when we're stuck in our heads and Definitely. so writing writing that down journaling you know meditating going into those deeper processes can also help bring that awareness out. Um, do you find that you have a lot more realizations um, with microdosing and? Is that something that comes out naturally for you?
1: I think so, yes. Like, I in the beginning, I didn't make the correlation, I just wasn't putting enough awareness on it. I saw the benefit, but then after learning more through this course and just online, it's microdosing actually amplifies everything that's going on internally. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the patterns come up mm-hmm. and may, you know, it depends. The ones I'm working on now are really Mm old and really deep. I kind of imagine it's like a tree and the roots Mm -hmm. are really, really down there. Mm -hmm. And so some of them are not, my awareness isn't there. Mm
0: -hmm. Like I
1: might see it a week after and the microdosing helps me see it more in the moment. Whether I'm able to stop the pattern Mm -hmm. just depends. But I still know what's happening. But sometimes the energy just takes me into that way of being still, even though I see it, I can't let go of it. Mm -hmm. of that thing that's taking over but the microdosing definitely helps me see those things and it's not for the faint of heart you know it's Mm -hmm. I think it's been kind of like trending and stuff like that but it still does bring things up and it's good to educate yourself and have resources because you might be like blaming the mushrooms for whatever you're microdosing but it's actually like you asked for that you know you're taking Mm -hmm. you're taking the substance and that's its job is to help Awaken you and yeah, just trying to really be aware. Like, some people will be like, I'm tired, my microdose. Well, maybe you need rest.
0: Mm-hmm. Why would
1: they be making you feel tired if mm-hmm. you didn't need rest? Mm-hmm. And so, even like something so subtle as that, we kind of miss as a human mm-hmm. that it's the mushroom is making us feel that way. Well, like, maybe that's what we need, maybe that's mm-hmm. the teaching.
0: Mm -hmm. Thank you for bringing that up because I think that's a really important point, you know, because we, it is about listening to the medicine and it's about doing the work and opening up ourselves to receive those messages because we can't go into this medicine and with a victim consciousness and blaming and, you know, and, but we, you know, recognizing what is, what is the message? What is the, the teachings, the ultimate teachings of this so we can really begin to do the work and heal and look deeper at what we are ready to let go of
1: yeah and a lot of us have expectations based off of what we have read online. it's really hard not to do that it's just mm-hmm. what our mind does and when we do that we kind of put up a barrier between us and the medicine and what it's trying to show us because we think we already know
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's like the human condition and um. yeah, not wrong. Just notice. Right. And, you know, look a little deeper and then you'll start to see those subtle little things that it is showing you. But mm-hmm. we just kind of overanalyze
0: things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think it's to to recognize, like you mentioned earlier, you know, your outside world had to start crumbling before you were able to go within and so for some people that might be the case too they might be the the medicine might come into their awareness and they might start you know to explore with that and then those layers will begin to emerge as they're ready to see them as well
1: yeah definitely
0: yeah so I'm just curious too um Like, is there a certain amount that you like to microdose with? Is that been something that um, you've kind of played with over the years?
1: Yeah, I would say I had like a really strong resistance when I first started working with ayahuasca and I feel now I don't have it anymore. Like I had to drink like a crazy amount and now I can drink like a normal amount, but the same as everyone else. So I thought I should microdose more, but I didn't. And yeah, the recommended for psilocybin anyway, is 0.1 to Mm 0.2. So I normally take 0.1. My scale, it doesn't show the digit after that, so I'm sure it fluctuates a little bit. And then I usually do a gram of lion's mane. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then I recently just... just... Go
0: ahead. I'm sorry. Lion's mane, really good for the brain. And So tell us a little bit more about about that integration and that um, synergy.
1: Yeah, that's Paul Samus. That's his regimen that he recommends and i actually like the taste of the lion's mane i think it's almost like chocolatey i don't know i put it in Mm -hmm. like some non-dairy milk and just Mm -hmm. which i'm like "Mm." yeah it's an adaptogenic so it really just helps kind of reinforce give healthy things to our body and i think it makes us more receptive Mm -hmm. to um the medicine so Mm -hmm. some people add other things i found i just like the psilocybin and the lion's mane Mm -hmm. and then i recently just started microdosing the ayahuasca vine Just on its own, um, the Cappy Vine. And that's a different measurement. But yeah, super low and just finding, you know, after reading and learning from Lord Dawn, really finding that sub-perceptual. And that's going to be different for everybody. And so experimenting Mm -hmm. with it, there isn't a right or a wrong. There hasn't been a lot of studies up until now. Mm -hmm. And you're really just looking for a sub-perceptual experience. Mm -hmm. So not affecting you, but maybe noticing that it's there. And that's going to be different for everybody so i think just playing with it and following your intuition and if you want to take more like nothing mm-hmm. bad is going to happen
0: yeah sure yeah no is that like a tincture that you're mixing the lion's mane and the psilocybin oh,
1: the, with no i just eat it
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> i just eat
1: the mushroom <laughs> and the lion's mane is a powder and i just oh, okay. mix it yeah
0: All right. <laughs> very cool awesome so I'm curious too, just, um, if you could just talk a little bit. I'd love to hear about your connection with music and the earth, and bringing that element into to your music, and what that's been like.
1: Yeah, I my dad was a landscaper since before I was born, so I remember he would always try and teach me things. Like too much though, or I didn't care because I was a child, but was always trying to teach me. He studied he botany about plants and like what these were, what that were, and I was like, whatever. I didn't dislike them. I definitely you wouldn't say I was interested. I think I was just a child. And then I would say, hmm, yeah, when I started to awaken, you know, about 19 or so, then I started to become interested in plants, which is funny just because my whole life, my dad tried to like teach me and he's not into, doesn't do psychedelics or anything, but is very much into them in the non-psychedelic realm. And yeah, I got, like, houseplants, and I started wanting to garden. And then when I found ayahuasca, yeah, it just really, really deepened more, or the more, I feel like the more you awaken, that has to come up. I mean, if it hasn't come up yet, it's going to, because, yeah, I I feel I'm very much an earth spirit, um, just, like, energetically and, and things, and I really feel a lot of her pain. And just feel really, really connected to her on this other level. And so for me, yeah, it's, I can't not pay attention to it or care. Like even when I walk by a tree and they've like trimmed it the wrong way, I'm just like, oh, you know, it hurts me because I know that tree is alive mm-hmm. and I know that yeah. it affect- maybe it's not pain as we describe pain, but it is some so- form of pain, I believe. Mm-hmm. Or even in the Rocky Mountain National Park, a lot of people carve into the aspen trees, and Mm. it just drives me crazy. Mm. Like, I know they're just children, but it's like, we have to educate people that you don't just do that. Like, when you're doing that, you're literally opening the tree up for infection, and that tree could die now because you decided you wanted to carve your initials in the tree. So mm-hmm. I read Hidden Life of Trees, which I highly recommend. and the Secret I've read life that. Of, yeah, it's great. <laughs> and A Secret Life of Plants. Um, mm-hmm. A little bit older, a little bit more data-y. But I, Hidden Life of Trees, I think, is pretty accessible. Mm-hmm. And then Braiding Sweetgrass uh, really changed my life, just the way she writes her connection to the earth mm-hmm. since a, a young child. Yeah, so now I feel like, Yeah, I don't choose the songs, you know, it's really rare that I sit down and I'm like, I'm going to write about this. They just come and they're very earth oriented.
0: Mm -hmm. And,
1: um, yeah, I think it's just one of my jobs to help heal her, to help other Mm -hmm. people realize the connection. That's just one of the reasons I came here, I think. And um, because I do feel so connected, it's just inevitable. The messages are going to be about her. Mm-hmm. And I, I received songs from her. Like I received a song from a flower. Like it talked to me, and mm-hmm. in the moment I was like, "What's happening?" <laughs> <You know>?
0: <laughs> <laughs> but
1: then I was like, "Mine, go away," and I was <laughs> able to complete the transaction. If <laughs> <laughs> you to call it that. Yeah. So I feel very passionate about the earth Mm. and all of my inspiration comes from her and Mm. all of the beauty. And we, yeah, we just moved to Colorado and one of the main reasons was because of all the abundant nature around. We had been here a few times and it just felt like home, like being that close to all the trees and Mm. just how nature is just a lot more respected here and like taking care of like areas have been designated to keep protected and that it is sacred. And a holy place and yeah all of my inspiration basically comes from earth and love which Mm. is like the same thing so
0: Mm. oh i love that I, um, one of the things you said, yeah. So, the book that you read, you, um, The Secret Life of Trees, one of the things that stood out to me and kind of connecting back to what you were saying earlier is how are, are the trees like underneath the root system is this community. I mean, they're all a community of trees, but they're like giving to each other. When one is needing mm-hmm. nurturing water or something, you know, nutrients, the others are giving that through this like massive like root system underneath. And they've shown that like a tree by itself doesn't survive as well because it doesn't have the support of the community of the the trees that are surrounding it i think it's just such beautiful. a beautiful line that
1: came to me like two years ago was a tree is only as strong as a forest mm. and to me it, it relates back to like you know they'll show like movies or something if you or, like one piece of pasta <laughs> versus like 20 and then mm. breaking it, like I can't, it's the same analogy, right? It's, mm. I feel like nature teaches us so many lessons. The more mm. you awaken, the more you see them, but mm-hmm. they're right in front of us. Yeah. Everything. It's like, there is no accident in anything. It's all mm-hmm. perfectly designed and it is all a teaching you in the moment right then. We just don't mm. see it. It's like, there is life and death in everything.
0: Everything. everything.
1: <laughs> and that it just is, and there are cycles yeah. of life and that's the only way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and many more, but it's just crazy how how small and how big and it's right in front of our face the whole time. We don't even see okay. it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, There's it's a mirror, right? It's the mirror yeah. to our consciousness and opening up to that and really paying attention to what the messages are. Even, I mean, from like, you know, sacred geometry and how everything is so... Aligned with you know numbers and patterns and you know and when we can really open up and and see that you know we are not separate from from mother from Gaia we are um, you know her her children the mirror to her um, what's happening outside is happening within and and I think it comes down to also we are you know we fight we, there's so much like chronic illness and you know chronic um, sick. You know, people are so sick and on this planet right now. But so is Mother Earth. She is like, she is sick, and so we are just, you know, emulating her because we, yeah. you know, the the humanity hasn't been very kind to her. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's just manifesting onto the human
0: mm-hmm.
1: plane because there is no separateness. It's like yeah they're they're tied together you cannot say that one is not the other it's like whatever is happening to earth is gonna happen to humans and the sooner we realize that the better like for all for all beings and yeah and even in the the wisdom and the elements like water flowing with ease cleansing Mm -hmm. gives Mm -hmm. life yeah Mm -hmm. it's just the subliminal messaging and everything is
0: yeah wow (laughs) Absolutely. We just have to like really pay attention, listen, honor, and do our own healing work. Because I think when we start when we're doing our own healing work, whether it's through plant medicine, through song, through, you know, breath work, or, you know, going into the, the shadow through, you know, whatever means we need to use, we're healing ourselves you know, ultimately bringing that love within so we can share that love without and really fully change the planet. But we have to start within ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm wondering if um, you could share a song with our listeners today, Haley. Yeah, definitely. Wonderful. Listeners, where they can find you and what you're currently working on.
1: Yeah, I'm on Instagram under Haley Harkin. I also have a Patreon page where I release new and unreleased music along with poems and lyrics, chords, all that good stuff. If you want to support me directly, that's the best way. I'm also on Spotify under Haley Harkin and any streaming platform. And right now I am recording new music, um, probably another EP. Like maybe five songs or so. So, yeah, I'm hoping that will be out in the coming months. I don't have a clear date or anything yet, but I'm really excited to, yeah, release more music. It's always a really interesting
0: process. So, beautiful. And we'll put all those links in the show notes so people can find you easily. Um, and thank you so much, Haley, for being here today with us and sharing your experience. And thank you. And thank you for listening to our show. Stay tuned for more episodes being released on Mondays at 5.55 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. And if you've enjoyed listening to our show, we would absolutely love a five-star review on iTunes. And of course, please share the love by sharing it with your friends. And if you want to support the work we're doing, please consider making a donation to our show by visiting our Patreon website at patreon.com forward slash podcast. And until next time, love yourself, love each other, and love the world. Love you guys. We at Be The Love Podcast are honored to be supporting the Komodi Foundation, which is a nonprofit organization in Uganda that is working to build a school that will promote and support healthcare, education, skills development, feeding the hungry, human rights, and environmental defenders. Their goal is to work with young mothers and single mothers, street children, and vulnerable families who lack nurture as they guide them to become productive individuals, which will lead to a productive generation. Please see our show notes on how to become a donor, mentor, volunteer, or sponsor.
1: Thank you, Heather Lynn, for providing us with your beautiful song to accompany our show, Be the Love. If you would like to learn more about Heather Lynn and her music, please visit her website at heatherlynmusic.com. And thank you, Chrissy Grace at Leading Edge Productions for the beautiful design and graphics.
0: And thank you for tuning in. And until next time, we are souls on the journey. And thank you for hopping on the Ascension Bus with us. And remember, there is always a seat for you.